0: Hello, my friends. My name is Aurelie. Education Monsters is a podcast that discusses multicultural education. Hey, good morning. On Education Monsters, I'm here with me. And she just got her PhD in natural resource sciences just last year and 2020. And so congratulations to you. Thank you, Aurelie. Nice to see you all. Yes, nice to see you during this pandemic. It's not really easy to meet and stuff, but I'm very happy that we have this opportunity to record this uh, podcast episode because I actually spent Chinese New Year with you last year. And so this this episode is about Chinese New Year. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: it's a very special moment uh, for us and it's great that we have the same
0: hold the same memory for this special festival for Chinese people yes for sure so you actually came to Canada to do your studies but could you introduce yourself to listeners about your background and your cultural upbringing um,
1: yes yeah, so I am from south uh, eastern of China it's a little town uh, although it's very convenient uh, place to live and a very nice uh, environment environment Um, I kind of like completed my bachelor and master degree in China and then I think I need to trying to go outside to see the world. So then I applied for the PhD uh, in McGill University uh, and managed to start um, my uh, study here and continue my career here. It's an adventure for me to go outside and explore the different world. And pursuing PhD is not an easy process, but I managed to meet a lot of good friends and find a good support so I really enjoy the life here in Canada. Now I've been in Canada for around five years it's already quite a long year and I like personally feel like like I belong to Montreal already even though I hold the Chinese background but Montreal is such a diverse place uh, for people from background feel home like so I really enjoy being here and feel I was not excluded and uh, myself all uh, Open-minded uh, for the different cultures. I love like talking about different cultures with different people and also learn from them. Uh, for example, sometimes we can learn like what needs to be done for Christmas. I even tried a Christmas drink uh, this time. And uh, sometimes we will learn from Mexican culture about how they enjoy some specific spiritual day, like uh, the Day of the Dead. So so multiple different cultures comes
0: in when I date in Montreal totally agree with you on the fact that Montreal is so multicultural and so diverse and I so love this city for that. So were you able to find yourself also finding a Chinese culture or a group of Chinese friends that so that you don't have to feel so homesick?
1: Yeah. As I just said, I, I do feel that i gradually belong to Montreal because of the diversity of this uh, city. More direct the feeling is for the pandemic when we can still go outside when we take taxi. The taxi driver you usually will say like how they enjoy the Montreal and They are usually from like multiple different uh, continents and they say that Montreal is the best. Like they, they they're not like New York. They're not like the other cities are like, they're so diverse and uh, people from any places in the world can, can really enjoy the life here. Just by hearing from their experience, I could sense the friendly environment here. Of course, I will feel homesick sometimes, especially at during the Chinese New Year, because usually this is the special moment for family to get together. Mm-hmm. So for us who study abroad, it's really a time to to call friends and call families and to hear what's going on and even spend a remote gathering together to just alleviate our homesickness. But even that, we're also trying to organize some activities in Montreal. So then we don't feel so stressful. For example, as you mentioned, like last year we organized the dumpling party. That's the when we are able to bring people in. That's a great opportunity to have in person gathering and we try to make dumplings from the scratch and it, it was a very fabulous uh, experience for me as well because even back in China we don't really got to make dumplings from scratch your parents will take care of that and uh, you just like need to be prepared to enjoy the meal so so here you got to have the experience to make something from scratch because of this
0: homesickness like you get by like quite well actually and also carrying the culture from back home also blending in from the identity in montreal and it's very cool talking about chinese new year i also read that you could eat dumpling for every meal for like the days of new year (laughs) Well, for us, actually,
1: it's not true. We don't really eat dumplings all the time during the New Year, even though that's a very frequent dishes for New Year. And there is some difference between North and south of china i'm from south of china so we in addition to eat dumplings we will eat some other very traditional meals and sometimes hot pots it's our most popular dishes for the new year's eve however dumplings indeed are really kind of a nice meal like even not during festival we enjoy eating dumplings and i don't mind eating dumplings every day uh, but not every meal but just like maybe lunch or dinner it's just like another way of cuisine or another type of cuisine it's just like we usually will eat rice every day now it changes to dumpling just you have some some ingredients inside the dumpling so you can choose whichever dishes you want uh, even if you are eating dumplings they are not always the same. And you can choose the sweet dumplings or sour dumplings or salty dumplings. So there are all kinds of different types of dumplings that won't get you bored. And uh, we also have like yuanzi and zongzi, some all kinds of different other types of uh, food that we will enjoy during festivals. And uh, in New Year, especially, we will have very special dessert. Those desserts are just like having lovely meanings to indicate the fortune of the New Year. So it's it's not just a dumpling. <laughs> But in the North, I know that they eat dumplings a lot. For example, my husband, he's from the North, and I know that they eat dumplings a lot uh, and noodles a lot during the New Year's Eve. So so they are very good at making it, even better than the people in the South. So they can make dumplings really clean, and they are all delicious.
0: As long as it's delicious, uh, nobody will deny it. For sure, I feel like dumplings are so easy to eat because you don't require a lot of uh, utensils to eat. Them, you can just like eat them with like a fork or chopsticks, but like they're so easy to grab, it's not like a whole plate of spaghetti where it can just get messy. Dumplings are pretty and just so delicious, but so here in the west, we care about fried or steamed dumplings, but they're usually savory. We don't really hear about the sweet ones. Can you describe to us, like, what is it like to have the dessert dumplings, and what's in there?
1: Yeah, we we don't call it dessert dumpling, because it's not like dessert, like, it's dry, and they put it there, and it's not so sweetie. It's just like, sometimes we will try to put some like, red bean ingredients uh, inside, so, uh, or sesame ingredients. So those are sweet ingredients. Actually, this is just a Some variation of dumplings. The sweet ones would be just uh, something to stimulate your new flavors and uh, get yourself some fresh feelings of dumplings. I sometimes will prefer the fried sweet dumplings. I feel that is more tasty. And I usually will prefer the red beans one because that's super easy to make. You can buy the red bean ingredients from the grocery store or you can make your own red bean.
0: It's really hard to yeah. make. I feel like I failed at it. I bought a bag of red beans, they were dried. Uh-huh and I soaked them overnight and also boiled them, added lots of sugar and the texture was right but the taste was so bitter. I recalled
1: a movie just about how to make like specific dishes and one of uh, that dish includes a uh, red bean ingredients and they actually spend quite a few hours to really soak the red bean and also you have to boil it multiple times and you have to add the sugar at the right time. Also, I'm not very familiar with those process. For us, we just like simply boil oil them and trying to make sure that they comes to a good texture so as to be able to put into the dumplings and it also depends on the different uh types of red bean you buy
0: that's awesome but so talking about food so it used to be associated to praying to gods as in like we also giving like the offerings and it's mm-hmm. sort of like the same with uh, cambodian new year it's like you present a lot of fruits like a, a lot of meat and dishes and it's like the spirit of those food and fruits that just like go up to the sky for the mm-hmm. ancestors and so it's very interesting how you're talking about the day of the dead because it's also a reminiscent. To, like our ancestors who passed away right?
1: Indeed for for Mexican culture like I I only learned a little but I I realized that's a very interesting philosophical thinking about like how the de- day of death is not a bad day it's not a sad day it's actually a happy day that you got to meet with your ancestors and then just to have them get together with you it's just like the New Year's Eve so you know there's a famous movie Coco which exactly describes uh, a Mexican culture about uh, the deaths. They are different people. They are those people that have passed away and they are the ancestors. And they also have like similar settings as uh, in Chinese culture, which we believe like those people who pass away, they're still in another space. And then uh, sometimes we can get connection with them. And uh, the day of death is the day for Mexican people to connect with the ancestors. They try to make it as a very happy atmosphere instead of a sad atmosphere. So they don't really avoid mentioning those people and they just want to make sure that people remember their ancestors. I feel that's a really great way to see dust because usually speaking of dust, people will feel scared and feels very sad. But uh, by bringing this like different uh, way of thinking, you realize it's like they may have gone to another world. We just have the hope that they can enjoy the life there, same as we are. So that actually gives us back another feeling of that we are not losing them. We are just like in a different world. And if you can remember them, then they are still are living in another world together with you. It's very great moment for you to seize the opportunity to remember what you have done with them and what you have and uh, like the lovely days that you spent with them. And also for for Chinese culture, we actually have different way of seeing that. We usually will think that's a very sacred moment, and we never will mention mention it happily. But we just see it as a sacred moment. And it, during the New Year's Eve, yes, we will light the candles or we will just like trying to pray for our ancestors for our people for the loved ones who passed away and just wish that they can live well in another world thinking about that i actually prefer the mexican way of thinking so i think that can be a very happy day so people even the kids they won't feel so Scared of death because for us, for Chinese people, will experience death at any point, at some point of your life. And if you always are scared of it and never really face it and uh, understand uh, what cannot be done and what can be done, and trying to use a better way of thinking to face it, then it will become always a, a torturing moment for you. Maybe in China, we can bring this like new way of thinking so that people, especially. Young children won't feel so scary about those uh, topics.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned a really good point: is the perception of death based on the different cultures? And I was watching this show on Netflix called the "Surviving Death." Like, it's a bunch of people experiencing near-death experiences who talk about what it's like, and they usually refer to this like glowing, warm feeling. Even though it's a very traumatic experience to die for like mm-hmm. seconds, a few minutes, or sometimes hours, but like they mm-hmm. come back to their body. And then I've experienced something that cannot be described. And it's not that our world is the world, just like it was pictured in Coco. You know, it's like we have this one perspective of the living, but like those beings have their own perspective as well, like from the other side. So it's not like one versus the other. It's like, I'm sure they remember us the same way we remember them. And they also have this like episode about mediums and how they always like communicate with the dead. And indeed, like it seems like real that death is the physical loss, but it's not a mental loss because you still remember them and you can still communicate with them. And we also as well about uh, not preparing kids to the idea of dying. And that's something I think the Western culture has implemented. It's like, oh, grandpa went on the trip instead of, yeah. oh, grandpa so passed away. It's like we're hiding this from children because the instinct is to protect them from sadness and grief. But if you're overprotecting them, they're not prepared. And like one day it's going to hit and they just won't know what to do with the sadness versus Mexican culture, like you were saying, is very positive. So it's not like losing someone, it's like, they're just transforming themselves yeah indeed it's also healthier because then you're so accepting of your own death as well you're not freaking out about oh am i losing a day i'm gonna die soon like there's a real anxiety around death that some people don't know how to deal with like it's because we're not prepared
1: exactly you also mentioned a good point which is like how they teach us about seeing our own life like don't feel bad about like the, the fact that everybody will die but it just like sees the moment sees the opportunity to really enjoy your life enjoy the time that you're together with your family I think that's more important things to learn and you got the point which is we sometimes overprotect the children but they Sometimes we'll have to go grow up and to face uh, those difficult topics. So me, I I realized that I have to face those different moments to be able to grow up. And it doesn't have to be like that. It can be like people celebrating or using a type of festival to be able to give a better, more positive uh, messages to children
0: about those difficult topics. And it seems like, uh, according to that show, Surviving Death, that children are also more instinctive, so they can feel energies. They can feel when someone's talking to them and they can't really tell, oh, it's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to be real because they don't have the same inhibitions that we have growing up. Like, it's not normal to hear voices or otherwise you go to a mental hospital. But children, they just let it flow. They just let it come to them. And it's funny how some people don't lose that ability. Like they keep that gift and they transform it into like, okay, this world is not limited to this physical world that we see based on science. And it's not because we cannot prove it scientifically that it doesn't happen. It doesn't have anything to do with the religion because those people living the near-death experiences and having that magical spiritual journey, we're not necessarily believers to begin with. It happens to anyone and they just can't explain what happens to the brain when the brain goes dead. But like at some point, you're still like having those moments of vivid and lucid experience. And it seems like very interesting. It's just like I'm wondering also how superstitious uh, that will come into play because Asians tend to be really superstitious as well. Like going back to uh, the topic.
1: Yeah, our family is to modern, so we we're not so superstitious about it. this kind of like believing in some specific god or uh, believing some specific uh, taboo. Usually, ha- are very popular in countryside, in in the rural areas, because like people gathering around, and they will have some old sayings, and also they will have like specific people who are trying to communicate with the ghost or with the god. So they have a very complex system to be able to either interpret the God's message and then communicate with God and trying to learn how to behave accordingly so even I heard a real story which is like in a rural in one of the village some kids will get cold and then they interpret it as like has been scared by some ghost and then they will invite that specific person to give them some ritual activities uh, so as to just to drive away those ghosts and usually after those uh, ritual activities those children are able to get bet- better and it's really like interesting to see that how those like even we call it spe- speeches uh, which is like it, we believe it's not true but actually it actually has some connections with the physical world and really will impact uh, the body or the physical condition of the children I guess there are some placeable impacts which is like because in the mind you think that oh, uh, the ghost has already moved away, flew away, so then the children herself or himself will feel better. But it may also connect with something that we never know or we don't know. So even though kind of I as a PhD, we're trying to just see the world from the science, but I always find it's interesting to see how people perceive the world in a different way and how they connect with some imagined a God. It's sometimes hard to say if it's true or, or force, because sometimes people need to have some goal of your life uh, to be able to live happily. And if, if they believe in it, they and accumulate some good things uh, for this round of life and then that will benefit your next round of life then they tend to behave better and that's kind of a way to ask people to give out and be grateful and those are good 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 features that we should hold as a human being not just religion also just those beliefs can drive people to get better because of some good stories. I always love to hear those stories because it broadens your imagination. You could realize, oh, there are some like interesting people living in the heaven and they will seeing us. And even for me, like, even though I don't believe in any religion, I love to hear about those stories and try to connect it to my own life. And sometimes I, I will just like set a, a self God for myself. I'm saying that they are looking at us. So we're trying to behave well because not only ourselves know what we are doing, there are somebody knows what you are doing, and they will judge you. So you kind of like exercise the self-judgment by setting a self-guard. Even for the rural area, even though they don't have very concrete science to understand life, they have those like small, specific uh, traditions so that they can follow, and uh, that create a lot of interesting activities. For example, in the New Year's Eve, they were will have people to stay up at night and then go across some fire barrier so that uh, it said that you can scare away Some ghost or some beast, which is called nian, if you exercise those uh, different activities. It's just like um, in the pumpkin festivals, like in Western culture, that they will have the trick-or-treat. Same thing for New Year's Eve in China, like those activities. It's interesting to hold this uh, tradition, and you can hardly to tell now whether it's just only for scary away Nian or it's just a fun activity for people to practice. So that's a mix, and because of the imagination of people, that we can have those like lovely activities together, and so that evolves. I believe culture do involve a lot of uh, the, those like imaginations and lovely believings. Still, there are also some other believings that are not very good. Like uh, in the past, China, ancient China, they may cure some people because of some believings. Like they they feel they are, some people are evil and because like there are some ghosts are on them so those kind of feelings does not serve well for the society but some others what we say for the new year's Eve, indeed i I love to hear about those even though i know some of them are not true uh, they serves us well As
0: well, mm-hmm. you were talking about uh, fighting off those monsters with fireworks mm-hmm. and it's interesting mm-hmm. because the air pollution in China is sort of bad so like a lot of Chinese cities have banned fireworks and even Beijing has banned it for 13 years but like the ban was lifted because people were so angry that they could not follow the tradition the thing is what's your opinion because you have a PhD in natural resource sciences so it's also your job to care about the environment so you have have to weigh out culture and tradition versus <laughs> the environment because we know that fireworks are a huge source of pollution. What are some other ways we can scare up monsters without having an impact on the environment?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I still, like, even as a PhD, I still believe that we should hold some cultural heritage. And for the fireworks specifically, indeed, it will lead to air pollution. They are sometimes dangerous for people who like them by their own. So I believe in China right now, we have some bans for fireworks. It's just like for safety, but also that largely reduces the pollution from fireworks. However, I'm also thinking of innovation. I think we can have both together. they kind of the spiritual world uh, holding some ritual activities. However, at the same time, we can also benefit the natural world. And actually in ancient China, those are not contradictory. We have the believings of uh, living in harmony with nature. And we believe that if we are just only one part of nature and we do not uh, govern the nature, we have many good sayings like nature has its own beauty and they, they never say it. But they just uh, stay there and you have to appreciate it and you have to go with the nature. You don't have the power to really govern it or manage it or just to reverse the trend. You are only one tiny part of nature. So actually, I f- believe they are not always uh, on the two sides. And even when, for example, the good example of fireworks, sometimes they do stand on contradictory side, there's a possibility to use innovation to uh, break this barrier for example if only we had we can have some fireworks that uh, developed out of uh, some natural ingredient ingredients or just want to uh, emit uh, any pollutants uh, or emit any bad air components that will be actually very good options to be able to have uh, those innovations we can actually use some electronic way to realize the same targets like like for example now we have drones and now we have different voice settings that can really get us uh, the same effects uh, even though we don't really light the fireworks so there's always the opportunity to really explore new techniques to balance the needs of humans and the needs of nature.
0: You're like responsible for like the largest upcoming of tourism. And do you think that if you replace the fireworks by fake ones, do you think there would be like less people coming in and people might be less interested because it's not as traditional as the regular fireworks? You
1: you need need to have a very good investigation about what is People's needs. There, there may require some like long term like development of those products, but I still believe that it's possible for people to change their needs. Like previously we read books on papers, but now we read books on mobile phones and on all kinds of electronics. That's some needs that you never thought of before. So you never use it, but now you possible. So then you use it more often because that actually it becomes more convenient. Fireworks are the same. We have all kinds of fans in China because, like, lighting fireworks will be dangerous, especially for children. So, then if we have those, like, new inter- inventions that can not only uh, create those recreational values, but also uh, reduce the
0: safety risk, then I. I believe people will go for it. To be open for change. And I feel like it was also very traditional to like gather around in the family as well. And now that everybody is, like traveling and also studying abroad and not being able to make it home, it seems like we're now modernizing the way with the holidays, especially with the pandemic. We have to be flexible. And yeah. this um, thing that I read that when people are single... Like, the other fake boyfriend or fake girlfriend to take home because <laughs> it seems like the the fact that you gathered, like the family spirit, like you have to bring a date or something. And do you think that could also change? Or is that, in, is that not even real to begin with?
1: Uh, well, I never. Came across this uh, myself or with uh, any friends around me, but I really hear some interesting stories about that, and I think that is a very interesting way to to see Chinese culture. Because like older generations had this uh, willingness of having grandchildren, so then they can enjoy during the rest of their life, and so so that's why they have this kind of eagerness to have their their children to get married. Um, uh, but nowadays the more and more people become more open and even the old, older generations they realize that you have to head over this this is a right for your own children and uh, they have to take care of their own life so it It's up to them to decide when they want to have a family. I believe family is a really good way to unite people together. So, of course, people who are single for a long time, they will love to have some companions. But nowadays, the social structure becomes very diverse, that people don't have to get married to be able to uh, get together or have a companion. If I were the parent, of course I will wish that my children will follow a very normal life cycle like you grow up and you have a job and then you get married and get kids that's normal way of life but uh, not everybody have to go with it and uh, i especially don't want my children to just to satisfy me to have a fake boyfriend or girlfriend that's just like you are cheating for the homework like of course i wish that you You get the homework done, but you don't have to cheat, right? Like, it doesn't really bring you any good. Like, I I just, I just wish that you have. Have the companions, but if you're just satisfying me, I'm actually very happy that you're alone with me because that that means like I can have more time to to enjoy the conversation with you. So I never thought of these options, and I, I just see it as a very interesting news and interesting stories. But it's it's definitely not common, and it's just a very funny way to indicate how eager the older generations wish as a child to to get
0: married. Do you think? that this pressure could come from like back then in the olden days when you have the one child policy so you used to put all your resources into one child therefore also having all the expectations into that one child because you don't have like a lot of kids to hope for grandkids you have like this one person it's a lot to take the burden of like having the perfect image for your parents for society for also have finding the right mate like it's not very easy to find someone i feel like To find the right person, it takes time, it takes dedication and work, but like hiring someone feels like very easy.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting way to think of it. It's kind of like the instinct uh to thrive our generations can be like oh you really wish to have uh your children to have uh kids so then the people with my name can thrive like the family can thrive however um i i believe that one child policy did impact uh, quite a few people but at this uh, like new era of of china we have quite a few people that prefer not having kids and I I believe that's also some not only just out of their like because like we are we have more freedom and older generations becomes more open minded. It's also relates to the whole social structure that now we have more and more people uh, willing to just uh, have companions but not kids because it's so hard to raise the kids. It's so expensive. Before they are born, you have to apply for their kindergartners, apply for the schools, and you have to find the good housing places uh, so that you have convenient way to go school and uh, at the same time won't disturb your work so there's a lot of things to consider when you are having kids and that really scared people now uh, we have so many so large populations in china so the job market is really competitive and uh, if you are having kids that means like you have to be away from your position for at least a year at, at our age, like we are growing at a very special moment of China, when one one-child policy is uh, stipulated, uh, when uh, we usually will grow by our own, we don't have many cousins or kids uh, together, so. We are used to the independence of life. We're used to like living on our own or like just playing by our own. So you, so we actually compared to the older generation, we have less needs to have a partner. And because we have the online social media, so we have a lot of way to connect with the society, not just having a very long term partners still uh so so that's why like those feelings of having partners has been changed for the younger generation and there's just some misunderstandings or some different willingness uh different wishes
0: between the two generations and also if you choose to not have children then you sort of stay the children, like you stay the youngest. Does it mean that for the Chinese New Year, you get red envelopes every year until like your parents die? Because then you stay the child of the family, right? You stay the youngest.
1: I I cannot remember since when that I've already stopped receiving red envelopes, but uh, but indeed uh, I guess like after I go abroad, it, it's never coming. Uh, but but when we are in China, yeah, we still will receive the red envelope. It's just a way of uh, showing our uh, showing their their love. You know, sometimes it's hard for people to say love, especially for Chinese people. They're very shy, and we don't always say we love you. So giving out this red envelope means that we love you. And we're trying to offer something for you. I Sometimes I will receive. I will accept that just to indicate that I know you love me. I know that you want me to be good, and I know that you want to connect with me. And we also have a lot of discussion about how much money you need to put into the red envelope. I believe... Uh, there's no strict rule. It's more re- uh, relates to your own social economic status, your salaries, and as well as like the willingness of giving. Usually in some big days, like during wedding ceremony or uh, young kids when they are having birthdays and New Year's Eve, of course, all these like big days, we will give red envelopes.
0: Why would boys get more money than girls in those red envelopes? That is something
1: I don't know because I won't live in that era, but I do see some in some no- Novels and in uh, books uh, talking about old times, and because of uh, that traditional thinking, uh, the g- gender equality thinking. So boys are always um, receive more emphasis and more more attention in the family.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is it with uh, the color red as meaning good luck, and like you're not supposed to wear black, and you're supposed to decorate your house in red? Is that a tradition that you follow with you in Montreal?
1: Yes, actually, I wear red dress in my wedding ceremony. I think that. That's just a way to follow my Chinese tradition. And they are beautiful. I think just like out of the religion or out of the culture background, it's just like they are beautiful. And so that's why we, we prefer wearing them. I, I know that here um, in Western culture, it seems like white is a more sacred color for weddings. For China, red would be a good sign of uh, luckiness and beautifulness. We say Chinese red, right? It's just a, a very special symbol for a culture. For example, our flag is red. And, and even if you see in Olympic Games, usually the athletes from China were wearing red. So it's kind of becoming a symbol. It's just like a company, they will find a symbol for themselves, to brand themselves. I, I think that's also same for China as a whole.
0: Yeah, it's very cool that we're talking about good luck and talking about bad luck. Why is it bad luck to like shower... Or clean your house or take out the garbage around New Year's Eve because like getting rid of the good luck. Where does that come from?
1: Actually, it's a good way of engage people to clean the house every year so so during that uh, New Year's Eve similar to the resolutions you make for New Year like you want to have some new things as a symbol and so getting rid of those rubbish or getting rid of those uh, old things can be a sign to embrace the New Year before the New Year's Eve we will do so and then later on we won't do so if thinking from the society way maybe because at the beginning of the New Year everybody is at home and there is no So much people to keep the city. So then it's a time for people to uh, restrict it um, and trying to stay still. Not like having too much things that require the public service. So then it will just get us feel um, the focus of like this festivals are just for the families. We're not asking anybody to work for the whole city or whole area, even though that is required. And we can do so after the holidays. I, I believe that's one of the reasons that we do the cleaning beforehand and then do not do that cleaning during the New Year's Eve, yeah.
0: And how come your zodiac year is bad luck? It's not true. It's not like
1: zodiac year is is bad luck. It's just like we believe that uh, during zodiac we have this believing, like each. People have a corresponding Zodiac God. And on that Zodiac year, that God will, will become very weak and they have like stronger power. And so they will be more tempered and it's easy for them to get angry, but it's also easy for them to get very happy. So it's like more fluctuous. It's not like always bad luck but but of course like people sometimes will focus on the bad luck so that's why they explain it uh, like that's the time that you have to be cautious but actually it can be a a big fortune during your zodiac year it just totally depends on the temper of your god at that year we will wear some red things red underwears uh, during the zodiac year for example myself also like wearing some red things and even just a buying some uh, red decorations for myself for the zodiac year for me it's just a way to treat out myself okay so this is a special year for myself so i need to do something for myself traditionally that there indeed are some old saying and saying that oh the red one you have you can drive scare away those tempered uh, beast uh, tempered the gods. but nowadays we, we don't really even think of that we just think oh you need to wear red so then what kind of red things you will put on yourself and and then that becomes another discussion of how to treat yourself, how to buy beautiful things for yourself for this special year.
0: Who cool. and also do you think because like now like the new generation sort of have adjusted to the Western calendar? Do you think that the zodiac calendar are less taken seriously in terms of superstition because people now believe? Them? Science. They also more open to the West and less traditional.
1: I think uh, there is a mix. Um, we are taking a lot of like Western culture things. Like sometimes we also celebrate Christmas, and uh, many people during the weddings they also wear in in white. Like that specific culture of zodiac year, we still believe in it. In it, mm-hmm. we still have a very strong feeling of it. And you know, we have the Chinese uh, l- lunar calendar. A lot of people still stick to that. For example, my husband, he's family actually remember the birthdays based on the lunar calendar year so it's still there because that's something very basic tradition for ourselves and we don't see any harm of that it's it's interesting to connect you with some animals it just like gives you an understanding of what is your like expected characteristics or like what can you become same in western culture right for for people who are born in different months you may have like different characteristics and you can also predict based on that for your future luck then for the zodiac culture
0: in in china and is it common to go see a tarot card reader around New year a student of mine he's from hong kong and here mm-hmm. around chinese New Year, he goes see the same person and because the rent is so expensive for a store in hong kong the tarot card reader does the reading in the mcdonald's And she told him, oh, you're going to have an ugly wife and die by 80. And (laughs) what's going to go well. And so...
1: Oh, that's interesting to know. So uh, recently, uh, a friend that go to see this like predictor to to predict the the future of his business. It's still happening, but maybe because my family uh, lives in in a university, so we really relatively have like less this background. We don't really have this beliefs in like uh, predictors. And sometimes I I feel like it's it's very scary. Like if you can see your future, then what's the point of living the future life then if you know like when you will die or if you don't know then you will always hope for the good but if you know you will feel scary if you feel very worried that there will be something bad for you if you can foresee that you will have a bad wife or you will have a bad fortune then you don't even have the courage to continue your life i think (laughs) how much you believe in it i guess (laughs) yeah Yeah. but even like what people say that will still have the impact for your life so when they just reveal the future, even if they are two it will still affect you because you will in any way that you will react to it and no matter how you react it may still be like that or because they say that that you try to follow that rule like it's very subtle feelings and I don't want others to impact my life in that way I just want to just make my life like just write my life by my own I don't want others to predict it or write for me
0: thank you me so much for your kindness and for coming here onto this podcast do you have a last piece of advice for listeners for this Chinese New Year?
1: Yeah, just to try a dumpling stores and to enjoy it. It's just like to have a warm sense of Chinese flavor. I'm very happy to have this time to share Chinese culture. And I really suggest you come to China to have a look when you have the chance and when the pandemic goes so you can know better about the Chinese culture and also find some interesting things from it hopefully can get your life better
0: yes that's a wonderful advice thank you so much again and I hope to see you again on this podcast yeah
1: thank you Arlie bye bye bye
0: if you love the podcast you can check out my blog Education Monsters it's education-monsters.com you can also support my project on Multicultural Education by donating on my Patreon page, the link is posted below. If you make a donation, you could have a shout-out on my next article or podcast. You could also choose the subject of my new article or podcast. And if you need French or English lessons, meet me on the italki platform, I'll put the link below. Shoot me a message as well if you'd like to be a guest on my podcast. And may today be the best day of your life. Bye.